The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome everyone and welcome to Epilepsy Awareness Month. If you might guess by now, that's very personal to me since I'm living with epilepsy. And we are going to have a great show for you because we have the CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation with us. He is an awesome person that I love very much. Very committed to the crusade. Welcome, Phil Gatone. Thank you, Joyce. Great to be with you. Okay. Well, Phil, I know we have a lot to talk about, but as I'm going to on the next several shows, I want to give all of you in the disability an update, and even those who are not in the disability community that listen to the show, an update on what is going on with CRPD and how we need your help, and what an honor it is to have talking about that for the next few minutes, a really well-known national uh, disability civil rights leader, Marka Bristow. Welcome to the show. Hello, and uh, good afternoon to both you and Phil. Good afternoon. So, Marka, I I wanted. I know today, by the way, is a very important day for people to call in. But could you just give a very quick synopsis of what's going on? What's happened with the uh, Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities? What we need everyone listening to the show to do. Sure thing. Well, the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, also known as the Disability Treaty, uh, went before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee last Tuesday for its first hearing of this Congress. As you may recall, last year, the treaty fell just five votes short of being adopted by the Senate. Treaties require a supermajority, and therefore we needed to have 67 votes. And we thought we had those votes until uh, some last-minute maneuvers that uh, caused some of the senators to feel that the treaty was moving forward during a lame-duck session and that treaties shouldn't occur during lame-duck session. Uh, so we've taken that issue off the table, and therefore we're very uh, uh, hopeful that senators, when they return uh, for a vote on this in the coming weeks, uh, will do the right thing and do what people rarely get an opportunity to do, which is take a second chance to do the right thing. Um, we will still need to get 57 votes. Uh, we believe we're just uh, five or six votes shy of that right now. But we believe that quite a few senators are remaining open through the process uh, until they see what kind of uh, amendments come forward uh, through the Senate process. We believe that uh, we will be able to prevail this time, but not without 
the support of the disability community. Uh, last year, we had uh, over 300 organizations. This year, we've more than doubled that. We have over 800 organizations that are supporting this. Um, that is including 21 of the major veterans organizations, a broad coalition of civil rights organizations, AARP, the um, Chamber of Commerce, a coalition of religious organizations of over 20. So we pretty much have everybody that looks like America supporting this treaty, except for one or two organizations that have launched a campaign of misinformation to scare people into believing that this treaty will do things it absolutely will not. That is I know I know my community that when we put our heads together and decide to do something, we get the job done. Um, I'm really happy to report that uh, going into last week's hearing, we had been outnumbered on phone calls by the opposition almost 10 to 1. However, last week we turned the tide and we outnumbered them very significantly. So we're calling upon our community again to make calls, calls, and more calls. You can do so uh, by going to disabilitytreaty.org. I'll repeat that, disabilitytreaty.org. We make it very easy for you there. We've identified who we need you to target, which right now are the, um, some of the members of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Yes, and Marka, just a few highlights for those that do not know, why is this important? What would this do for the world? Um, Well, at the global level, the treaty is the first human rights treaty of the 21st century. It essentially says to the world that people with disabilities deserve an equal opportunity and that countries should adopt non-discrimination laws and implement programs and procedures to enable people with disabilities to have that equal shot. As you know, the ADA was the first law in the world that really began to open those doors, and many countries began a process to follow our lead. However, the, the, the playing field has shifted uh, upon adopt, the UN's adoption of this treaty, and right now, America is one of the few countries that has not yet ratified it. Over 130 countries have now ratified the treaty. It's rather embarrassing that the country that led the world is not there in the middle of this helping to lend our expertise as other companies, other countries are beginning to make changes. We think it's very important for America to lead in this venue. Um, when we do, we believe that the outcomes we'll see in other countries will uh, level the playing field for American business will uh, make it easier for disabled people and our families to travel, live, study, work, and serve in the military overseas. Um, and most importantly, we believe that America will reclaim its moral authority and our ability to really help disabled persons, organizations, and others in implementing these, this treaty globally. And I just want to highlight 
before we close off on this discussion that A, all these veterans groups are behind this. It was really impactful to hear uh, Congresswoman Tammy Duckworth say, who does use prosthetics, imagine in some countries where they would tell you to store those. She Absolutely. is an acclaimed, acclaimed veteran, so highly thought of. I just want to remind you, all the veterans groups are behind this. I want to also remind you of the incredible bipartisan support, because how proud was I to see two governors from Pennsylvania, Dick Thornburg and Tom Ridge, both Republican, seated at the front, testifying how important this is. So if you're listening to the show, don't be thinking this is some partisan thing. It's bipartisan. It's wonderful. It's important. But you've got to make those calls today, and you've got to make them nonstop, and you've got to go to the website. What is that again, Marga? Disabilitytreaty.org. And I also want to say from my home state, Senator Mark Kirk had his... uh, coming out party, if you will, as a a member of the disability community testifying before the Senate uh, Foreign Relations Committee. He claimed his disability proudly, and he spoke of how important it was to him as a disabled vet to uh, see the United States take a leadership role and uh, really come forward and ratify this treaty. So what I need to ask your listeners to do is what our colleagues in Washington, D.C. did last week, show up in great numbers. We not only filled the hearing room, but we filled two overflow rooms, including the largest one in the Senate. Uh, And I believe that when our community decides to do something, they do it big. So we're asking for calls calls and more calls. It takes not more than five minutes. You don't need to understand the details of the treaty. They're just uh, taking account of how many people support it and oppose it. So when you make the call, all you need to do is say, I am so-and-so from what state, and I'm calling to tell your senator that I want him to support the disability treaty. That's it. That's how long it takes, and I believe we're only asking you to make about six phone calls. You can do them all in five minutes. Thank you so much, Joyce, for for having me and for your commitment. And because you mentioned that this is Epilepsy Awareness Month, I want to give a shout-out to my good friend and yours, uh, former congressman and father of the Americans with Disabilities Act, Tony Quello. Tony has been um, just a stalwart leader of this campaign in helping us to get the treaty uh, elevated, in reaching out to everyone he knows, and I'm really hopeful that the Epilepsy Foundation will continue its important work in letting uh, your members know how important this treaty is to Joyce, to Tony, and to all of us in the disability community. Phil, we can count on that, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and Joyce, I have to say, um, Marka, it's such an honor to talk with you and to be with you on, on Joyce's show. And Joyce, as you have also received national awards, you know, I think our listeners need to know about Marka. I think most do, but those who don't, 
Larka is one of the most recognized leaders in the disability community. She's received so many uh, appointments and awards, uh, including the Distinguished Service Award of the President of the United States, um, the Americans with Disabilities Act Award for her role, along with Tony, in the creation and passage of the law. Uh, she is just a remarkable leader, uh, named as one of Chicago's uh, 100 Most Powerful Women. Uh, she's really quite an amazing leader and a great friend, not only to people with epilepsy, but people with disabilities across the country and around the world. Well, thank you, Phil. You know, this has been a joy for me. Um, people wonder why why we do this. You know, why I do this is because of my brothers and sisters, one billion of them who live all over the world, some of them in the most um, horrific conditions, uh, we heard not long ago about a young woman being um, rounded up because she had a disability tied to a tree in a place where she was uh, where prayer circles were being led uh, to to stamp away the evil spirits um, this is where she lived we hear of stories of people with disabilities trying to come uh, to conferences and they get halfway around the world and are then told they can't go on the second leg of the flight because the second air carrier won't allow a seeing eye dog to fly. Um, We see young people just taken away from their families just because they're disabled and put into institutions. So this that's why I do this. I do it because people around the world um, are relying upon us to be partners in this as we continue to make our rights stronger here in America and work towards them. Uh, we need to also be part of the equation in helping uh, and learning from our colleagues overseas. While America does have the gold standard, there's still things we can learn uh, and we do so now, and we'll only do so more as our involvement with the CRPD increases. And, you know, Phil, before Marka goes, uh, she can get you information, Phil, that we could put on our website. Remember, there are 3 million Americans living with epilepsy. If we even get a, to a small portion of that amount, it would have a tremendous impact. And as Marcus said, you know Tony is so known everywhere in the epilepsy community, let alone politics, disability, everything else. So, Marka, you get something to fill so we can put something on our Absolutely. national site. And I, okay. I earlier said do it for Tony. I say do it for Justin Dart. Do it for Senator Bob Dole. Do it for former uh, President uh, George Bush, 41. Do it for Colin Powell. Do it for Madeleine Albright. Do it for everyday people with disabilities who have all joined together to demonstrate their support for the treaty. Um, and thank you all for having me here. Um, if you have additional questions and you want to speak to the U.S. International Council on Disabilities office, that number is 202-347-0102, or you could reach uh, their website is USID, usicd.org. Call, you want to repeat, and more. Uh, repeat those two things, Marka. Okay. Two, uh, the phone number is 202-347-0102. The 
uh, email is uh, usid.org, www.usicd.org. However, for, I don't want to confuse you, for your phone calls, we've made it easy. Just go to disabilitytreaty.org and make calls, calls, and more calls. All right, you heard her. I challenge you. Let's make it happen. Mark, Today, uh, lead please. on. This is Mark, a Mark, national lead call on, on day. All Thank right. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Phil, you can imagine how many people throughout the world with epilepsy are impacted from this. Well, absolutely, and that's the beauty of, of the Internet. You know, disabilitytreaty.org. You know, you can click on that if you know wherever you are, and and uh, get connected to the information you need to make this change. And it's so fun to be able to be part of of that kind of reform, that kind of change. It's really fun to be part of, and you can feel like you're making a difference. You know, sometimes you wonder, can one person really make a difference? And in this case, one person, one phone call, can really make a difference. That's right. And back to our superstar on the radio show today, Phil Gatone, is the CEO of the National Epilepsy Foundation in America. And I think, Phil, could you take a few minutes and tell our listeners how you first became involved in the world of epilepsy? Sure, Joyce, and thank you for having me on. It's it's such a a privilege to be with you. You as a, as a nationally recognized leader, I just have to say it's an honor to be with you and to, to work with you in this mission. And we found uh, our son uh, in April of 1991 in his bedroom having a seizure, and that was our um, rude awakening into the world of epilepsy. And uh, we found our son Philip when he was four years old, and he uh, was blue around his mouth. He was having a, uh, a generalized seizure. We thought that he had died. We didn't know what was happening. Um, the paramedics came, and uh, an hour later, his seizure stopped, and, and uh, that was in the emergency room of a, of a local hospital. And he started down the road of being very, very brave, and we started down the road of trying to find good care and answers to questions that we never thought we would have to ask. Um, and that's how we became involved in the world of epilepsy. And through his journey, we learned about an, uh, an entirely um, unique journey that everybody faces with epilepsy. And uh, that started us down the road of getting involved with the Epilepsy Foundation and with the community of people living with epilepsy. Wow. You know, I always say, give me the parent of a child with a disability and look out. Look out. <laughs> and, and so you all know this, I have met uh, Phil, his son, who is very successful uh, and doing very well, and uh, that just once again dispels the stigma about people living with epilepsy. But, you know, it's one thing, Phil, knowing this. It's another thing when you decide, oh, I'm going to be an advocate. I'm going to work on this. And I want to know what made you and your great wife, Jill, the first lady, (laughs) what made you both decide to become advocates? Well, two things made us uh, decide to become advocates. And I think for your listeners, I think uh, some of the same motivations exist out in the community. First and foremost, we saw... 
the injustices that were happening um, to our son and other children with epilepsy, uh, not getting the services that he needed in school to achieve, not getting the um, the kinds of resources uh, and access to those resources that he needed, that, that we felt as his parents he needed in order to reach his potential in life. And so often... Um, this this happens intentionally or unintentionally. It happens, and it takes advocates to make this change real for one person or for many. And um, that caused us, our, our own experience caused us to become advocates, but also we were inspired by others. Uh, as we got to know families and got to see the work that was being done and the work that was needed to be done, that needed to be done, we really were inspired um, for people who had epilepsy and other disabilities as well, where they didn't have access to the care that they needed. They didn't have the resources they needed to reach their potential. And when I saw the, the leadership that was taking place from others, and I saw firsthand how change can, can actually become real, it inspired me, and it inspired my wife, Jill, to, to get involved. We actually went back to school recognizing that in order to be good advocates, we needed to further our education. We went back to school and both got our master's degrees in education, and then Jill went on to become a nurse and uh, served as a nurse in an epilepsy center for 10 years. And we both decided that education was the key to success um, for our son and for people with, with epilepsy. Um, if the community understood epilepsy and if people with epilepsy understood their rights, and then we could really make some changes. And that's what drove us uh, to move forward. And as a result of that, we were able to, first as volunteers, and, and I have to say, Joyce, volunteers make this world tick. I mean, it just makes everything move. And I, I just want to thank the, the thousands and thousands of volunteers who are helping the Epilepsy Foundation across the country and other organizations drive this change forward. Volunteers play a critical role in our success, and those people who are stepping forward to volunteer their time and resources are advocates, and they are as important as anybody on our staff team. And so I'm just thankful for that. And we started out as volunteers and uh, advocated not only for our son but for other people with epilepsy, and that led to um, opportunities within the epilepsy community to take on some leadership roles. And, and so that's how we got involved in Chicago uh, with the Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Chicago and then with a local epilepsy center as well. Well, and I agree with you about volunteers. You know, it's amazing the passion and dedication of volunteers and really the changes they make in this world. It really is. And, and never think that one person can't make a difference. You already heard us talking about Tony Quello living with epilepsy, and look what he did, look what he accomplished. So, Phil, here you are, in execu- when I met you, an executive director, uh, Epilepsy Foundation in Chicago, and did you ever think you would move into this role? And let me ask you, do you feel that prepared you for this role? I really think being involved at our Chicago affiliate helped me a great deal uh, to step into this, uh, to serve into this leadership role at the Epilepsy Foundation. And the reason is 
when you get involved at a community level, as you know, Joyce, you know, for all of your national recognition and national appointments, you know, you have um, a community heart. You, you know, you're, you have the spirit to help people in communities and build communities. And that's what really helped me step into this leadership role, understanding what the needs are at the community level where, where all the work is really, really done day to day, day in and day out by the army of leaders across the country to understand what it means to learn from a family with epilepsy, what their experience is, what their needs are, and then identifying local ways to help people get connected to what they need, whether it's online or geographically, locally in their community, to find those resources that help them change their lives. Never is it more evident that when something is is um, found, a resource is found locally for somebody, you can just see a life change right before your eyes. When somebody goes from having seizures to finding seizure control, their life changes dramatically. And even if their seizures don't come under control, finding the support, knowing that there's advocacy at their local community level for things that they need, it changes somebody's life. And, and that's what I've learned in my work in Chicago. So when I'm here now serving in this role at the National Epilepsy Foundation, my, my focus is, is determining how we can best help our local communities build the resources for families with epilepsy. And so that's really how working in Chicago and working at an affiliate helped me serve in this role. Well, and, and I think that background starting at the grassroots level is really significant because, you know, some people, if they walk into this and either A, they don't have the background with epilepsy or B, they, you know, they, they don't understand advocacy at that level, this would be pretty hard to do. So I, I agree with you, Phil. Um, and now here you are, CEO, Phil. We're happy to <laughs> CEO. So, Phil, what would you say are some of your greatest challenges? Well, I think that um, first and foremost, Joyce, you know, this is a privilege. I, this is an honor to serve in this role, and the challenges that, that I face um, really are representative of the challenges that people with epilepsy face, and that's what I'm thinking about every day when I, when I come to work. And I, I have to say that the challenge that, that I face right now is really delivering on the promise that anybody with epilepsy, anybody, can call us, can reach out to the Epilepsy Foundation, can go to our website and get the answers to the questions that they have about their own epilepsy. So it's really fulfilling the promise of being a full-service organization to help anybody, regardless of where they are in their journey with epilepsy. Some people have very difficult to control epilepsy today, and they're trying to find answers. They're trying to find out, where can I go to get the best care possible for me or for somebody I love. And, and so they have significant and urgent concerns. And we have to make sure that we deliver on that promise, no matter where anybody is in the country, to find those resources at their greatest time of need. Then we also have people whose seizures are well-controlled, and they're looking for opportunities to share their story or to find a job or to achieve a goal that they have in life, and they're looking to the Epilepsy Foundation to help them achieve that goal. 
And we want to make sure that anybody who's looking for an opportunity to get the freedom that I think you, Joyce, have been leading with, with your organization for many years, you understand the freedom that comes with a person finding a job. Um, when someone calls up and says, you know, I'm looking for help, I, I'm, I'm looking for a job, I'm looking for work, to be able to help them find that connection and equip them to be able to, to be equipped for that interview and get that job or get that goal met in their life, that's really where we have to be consistent across the country. And bringing people together is a big challenge to do that, and, and I look forward to continuing to achieve our goals uh, toward that end. And, boy, Phil, uh, just getting that news out to all these people that really don't know. They don't know. They don't understand epilepsy. They don't know where to go, you know, for, for a doctor, or they go to a doctor that doesn't understand it. So I hope the day comes that through a lot of resources that we have, they will be able to help more and more people. And while I'm on that topic, here we are, Epilepsy Awareness Month and Thanksgiving. You know, I am one that believes in random acts of kindness and in giving back. So if you're listening to the show right now, you know, we can't help a child. We can't make a change without money. And I don't care how small that donation is, every dollar counts. And I would really, really think you should take time to either do it now or budget now to make a make a contribution to the foundation. So if someone wants to do that, Phil, what do they do? Well, they can um, go on our website, which is epilepsyfoundation.org, uh, or they can call um, our 800 number, and they can uh, make, a, make a donation at our 800 number, which is 800-332-1000. 800-332-1000. Or they can go online, epilepsy foundation.org and make a donation online. And it's so appreciated. Uh, the, the work that is being done across the country is really dependent on support from uh, individuals across the country. And we're so grateful and, and so thankful for that. And we are being excellent stewards with our, with our dollars. We're putting every dollar to good use uh, for programs and services around the country for funding valuable research and innovative new therapies for people living with epilepsy and raising awareness. Uh, one of the most exciting things that's happening, Joyce, is we are launching in 2014 for the first time ever, we are going to be having a nationwide public awareness campaign that will be on television, on cable, in living rooms around the country, and we're so excited about it. It's in partnership with a a gentleman who has uh, had epilepsy for some time. He actually owns a a business in Las Vegas. He owns a pawn shop in Las Vegas, and people come into his store, and they negotiate, uh, you know, it's a fun TV show where they negotiate a price for different products and his name is Rick Harrison and he runs this shop with his father and his son and Rick has epilepsy and he agreed to help us raise awareness uh, building public service announcements and making appearances so we're going to we're going to build on Rick's kindness and his show Pawn Stars which is a really funny name but a really wonderful show Um, he's going to help us raise awareness of epilepsy across the country. 
Okay. Now, I've got to say, I bet you know who this is and this show, because you know why? When I told a few people, I have to admit, I'm sorry to admit I do not follow this show, but when I mentioned this show to other people, oh, my God, like they were, are they, is he going to be at the walk? Where do I go to meet him? I mean, they were so overwhelmed. This guy has a huge following. So, you know, that, that is yeah. really an amazing thing. Amazing. And he wrote a book about his, his um, accomplishments, and the first chapter of his book is called The Storm in My Head, and he talked about his epilepsy. And he started having seizures when he was eight, and he, he said that when he was recovering from seizures, he would read, and he would gather information, and that's how he learned so much about history and so much about so many different things. And, and uh, he, his epilepsy is controlled now. But he remembers when he had seizures, and he wants to help others who are going through that journey. We also have a wonderful man, uh, Coach Jerry Kill of the University of Minnesota football team, who has uh, graciously and willingly offered his help uh, to, to raise awareness and has been a great example of courage for people with epilepsy. I had the privilege of meeting Coach Kill and his beautiful, wonderful wife, Rebecca, uh, up in Minnesota, and the Epilepsy Foundation of Minnesota Executive Director, Vicki Kapleen, uh, who is a just a wonderful leader, has done remarkable work to raise awareness, uh, and, and Coach Kill has been a great example to others. So you have people like, like Rick Harrison and, and Coach Jerry Kill who, who are putting themselves forward to say, you know, this is something that, that we have, this is something that uh, we're not ashamed of. This is something that people need to be educated about, and that's what's going to break uh, break through that stigma, and we're going to start to educate and change lives uh, by raising awareness. Wow. You know, in case you don't know, this man went through such discrimination. Mm. Do you want to tell quickly that story, Phil, of what sure. happened well, to him? Were, sure. There were, there were um, a couple of news uh, articles that came out following uh, Coach's uh, seizure uh, on the sidelines, and he was really um, berated by a couple of um, uh, really uneducated uh, writers, journalists, and I use that term loosely, and um, there was a big outcry after one of the reporters said, and I quote, um, I just remember the quote, it's just ingrained in my, in my head after reading it. He said, no one who pays a ticket, who buys a ticket to watch a game uh, at the University of Minnesota should have to endure the sight of a man writhing on the ground. Uh, and I thought, you know, this is so silly because, you know, you have football players who are, you know, on the field and, and getting hurt on the field and having injuries on the field and that some, somehow is perfectly okay. <laughs> You know, but a person experiencing a seizure on the sidelines is is you know unbearable to this to this journalist and and there was such a an, a, a backlash and an outcry against what was written that uh, and a community just just came together up in Minnesota around this man and since then they have won uh, amazing football games up there. Coach has been the inspiration for this team this year, and he has shown such courage. We had an, an epilepsy awareness day at the University of Minnesota football game against Nebraska, and we handed out um, information about epilepsy. They had things on the jumbotron, and they won the game. They hadn't beaten Nebraska 
since 1960. The last 16 times they played, they had lost to Nebraska, but University of Minnesota won the game, and they were all shouting, Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> in the audience. And so there's, there's, I think people are good, Joyce, and I think that people, when educated and understand what epilepsy is, they're, they are, we have a compassionate community, and I think that people want to know how they can help. And this is what's happening in Minnesota, and I believe this is what's going to happen around our country as we continually raise awareness and advocate for this kind of change. Wow, isn't that a story? That is such a great story. Uh, wow, that's all I can say, and I'm proud of him. Well, Phil, we are now merged with another group, the Epilepsy Therapy Project, which we're so excited about. So we're the Epilepsy Foundation, but we have merged with the Epilepsy Therapy Project under the great leadership of Warren Lambert. And, Phil, uh, would you talk about that, the benefits it brought to us, how that's going to help the foundation? Absolutely. Well, the Epilepsy Therapy Project and the Epilepsy Foundation have been partners for, for a decade uh, because we have funded projects together. So we've been good friends and partner organizations for a long time. But Warren Lambert and Oren Davinsky, who are the co-founders of Epilepsy Therapy Project, felt that based on the Institute of Medicine report that came out in March of 2012, that it would be best if we leveraged our resources and came together to strengthen our, our combined efforts to change uh, the future for people with epilepsy. And when Warren came forward with that vision, I was just so excited. And our board at the time, led by Brian Smith, who's an amazing physician and an amazing leader, um, he just jumped at that opportunity and said, yes, let's leverage our resources and help people with epilepsy in a stronger way. So January 1st of 2013, we merged with the Epilepsy Therapy Project. And as a foundation, if our job, if our mission is to improve the quality of life for people living with epilepsy, then this is a natural next step for us because therapies, new innovative ideas that are coming forward to help people with epilepsy in a time frame that matters to them is so important. You know, when you find out you have epilepsy, you want to know what's out there, what resources are out there for me that can help me. And that's what the Epilepsy Therapy Project has been about for over 10 years. And so to have them as part of the Epilepsy Foundation and driving forward new ideas uh, is just a tremendous blessing for our organization. And it's a message to the community that says we are stronger together. It's very important to understand that when you come together, as we have, you can do so much more. And it's been evidenced in our fundraising efforts, in our marketing efforts. We've been able to um, we are merging our two websites together. So at the end of November, we're going to have a launch of epilepsy.com, which is going to be the most visited website in the world for epilepsy. And it's going to be a very, very powerful resource for people to get all of the answers to the questions they need and get connected to communities near them, both online and, ge and geographically, get, co get connected to communities that can help. Wow. Well, well, I know I'm excited about this, and I think it is a great thing. Um, I really do, and I commend you and Warren and Brian, uh, Phil, for being able to bring all of this together. I mean, you really have done a lot since you came aboard there, Phil. It's been a good year. <laughs> I'll say. 
So, Phil, you know what? I don't know if people are familiar with the IOM report, um, but I know this is the first time there was such a lengthy study done on epilepsy, and I know there were some major findings, and I thought maybe you could talk about that. Oh, absolutely. Um, The Institute of Medicine, for the first time ever, um, did a study and and researched um, epilepsy and the needs of people with epilepsy. So they decided that they needed to take a look at this, and they came out with 13 recommendations that uh, they had for epilepsy. And it's really interesting, um, the, the fact that they did this um, was so remarkable that the entire epilepsy community came together to help formulate these uh, recommendations and provide testimony for, uh, for this uh, IOM committee. So the, the bottom line is, Joyce, that they have recommendations that include um, some of the things that doctors have to do differently, and they have some things that um, the CDC and other governmental agencies have to do differently. But one of the, about six of the recommendations centered on things that the Epilepsy Foundation and people with epilepsy can do to help improve the lives of people with epilepsy. And so they, they have very specific recommendations about raising awareness, um, delivery and coordination of services and information. So, for example... One of the things they said was that they believe that we need to have one website that people can go to to get the answers that they need because one credible website, one kind of a one-stop shop would be very, very important. And so that drove Warren and myself and Brian and Kim Mocker, the executive director of the Epilepsy Therapy Project, to say, we need to combine our websites, and we need to have everything on, our, on a website that people would look for, and that's what we've done. So we're going to celebrate this launch of this website um, at the end of November. It's going to be spectacular, and it's going to be epilepsy.com. And so everybody can go to epilepsy. You can go to epilepsy.com now, but there's going to be a completely new epilepsy.com at the end of November, and it's going to be spectacular. Another recommendation that the Institute of Medicine had was to raise awareness in a different way. And as I spoke uh, to you earlier, Joyce, we are, for the first time, as a result of that recommendation, really making um, great strides in fulfilling that recommendation, and we are going to produce multiple public awareness campaigns um, that will help reduce the stigma of epilepsy and educate people to get the answers that they need. So they have a whole series of coordination recommendations and awareness-raising recommendations, and we developed a team at the Epilepsy Foundation to address those recommendations head-on so that we can proudly say, back to the Institute of Medicine, Thank you for these recommendations, and here's how we're accomplishing those goals. Wow. Yeah, and uh, how can someone get access to that, Phil? You can go. Um, there's a, an easy way to find it. Um, you can, if you just, um, if you go to Google and you type in um, I-O-M and then the word epilepsy. So you type in the letters I-O-M and then you type in the word epilepsy, you'll see um, an online version of the report. Uh, the actual web address is iom.edu slash epilepsy, but all you have to do is Google IOM and then put a space and then type the word epilepsy, 
and you'll be able to come right to the report. Okay. Well, and I would suggest, if you're interested, it really does have such important information. So, um, you know, if you're interested, I would suggest you go there or tell others if they're interested. Well, Phil, I know we don't have a lot of time left on the show, but I would like to talk about the athlete project that you have. Could you talk about that? Absolutely. Um, As part of our uh, awareness-raising initiatives, we decided that um, we would start something called Athletes versus Epilepsy. And the reason we did that is we have athletes who have been really tremendous heroes for us, uh, some of whom have epilepsy, others who have a family member with, uh, living with epilepsy, and they want to help us raise awareness. So we started this initiative first and foremost to bring forward leaders in athletics, like Jerry Kill as a coach, like uh, the, the wonderful and amazing Jason Snelling of the Atlanta Falcons, who I know you, you know well, Joyce, and, and uh, Jason has been a tremendous advocate Jeff Pope, whose uh, grandmother uh, raised him and uh, who had epilepsy, and um, Jeff has been an amazing leader for us, jumping on board and helping us lead the Athletes versus Epilepsy Initiative, a Super Bowl, New York Giants uh, Super Bowl winner. And then Shanda Gunn, who is the U.S. Women's Olympic Hockey Team goalie, uh, who has epilepsy. She's a phenomenal athlete, and she's come forward to help us Zach McGinnis, who's an all-American swimmer, um, has come forward to help us. He has epilepsy. And what happened was amazing. Not only are we raising awareness through these, through these major athletes, and, and you'll see this campaign roll out in 2014 in a much more powerful way, but we're also encouraging people in Pennsylvania, in Chicago, in Houston, in Miami, across the country, that if you're a weekend warrior, if you like to run 5Ks or 10Ks um, or a half a marathon or a bike ride, you can do those events as a, as a part of athletes versus epilepsy. You can run or you can ride for this cause, uh, just like people ride for Live Strong or they ride for um, uh, you know, different groups across the, uh, you know, the, the spectrum of health, you can now run or ride for athletes versus epilepsy. And I think that's really a wonderful opportunity for people to raise awareness, raise some much-needed resources that, that can help communities across the country. And it's a way to stay in shape, have fun, and, uh, you know, and, and do it for a good cause. Right. And, you know, just to uh, mention another person, at the Epilepsy Walk here in uh, Pittsburgh this year, Tony Watson, you know, relief pitcher for the Pirates and the uh, talked about Shark Tank, he usually comes every year to the walk. Well, this year he didn't come. Brian Morris came, another relief pitcher. And you know why? He told Tony Watson, I'm sorry, I want to do this. You can't go. And that's because his wife has epilepsy. So, you know, it just seems like there are more and more athletes that want to help and that want to get involved. Um, And that's just another example. And as you mentioned, both Jeff Pope and Jason Snelling, they are awesome. They are are awesome. I love both of them. A a basketball team (laughs) at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, um, they, they came together as athletes and decided to help the Epilepsy Foundation of North Carolina at their local community walk. So they came out 
and participated in the walk and helped as volunteers that day. Talk about great, great men, great young men who are, who are contributing to a great cause, um, and they're doing it in their own community. So, you know, if you're a basketball player, a football player, a baseball player, and you're, you're at high school, you're playing college sports, whatever it is, and you want to get involved, you can do that through Athletes versus Epilepsy. And it's just a really fun way to, to help as a volunteer and to, to raise some much-needed resources and awareness. Well, uh, Phil, before we end this show, I wanted to just talk a few minutes about you. And before I do that, I want to say again, remember what I said about making a contribution to the Epilepsy Foundation. You know, my great friend Yoshiko Dart has Mm. always talked about giving back. And whether or not you even have epilepsy, if you have a disability, you're part of the community. So, again, if you want to contribute, you can go to the national site. What is that again, Phil? It's uh, www.epilepsyfoundation.org. And you can also call 800-332-1000, and we'll be glad to, um, to help you and thank you for your donation. And, Joyce, thank you for that. And I do want to tell you something, that when it comes to life-changing experiences, I think we all have a story to tell. And, and very, very briefly, I can tell you that our story with Philip is not unique. I mean, there are families across the country that are that are living today these stories. And for no- November, as National Epilepsy Awareness Month, we have a, an initiative called Story Days, and people can tell their story um, by just clicking a video on their phone and, and telling their story. It, could, it doesn't have to be a professionally done video, but you can just tell your story, and we have a very easy way to uh, put your story online. And we're telling stories across the country about how people with epilepsy are living with epilepsy and how they're getting help from the Epilepsy Foundation. So if you go to epilepsyfoundation.org, what you'll see on our homepage is a link for story days. And every day we're telling a different story from a different affiliate from around the, the country, a different family telling their story and how the foundation has helped them. Because some people might ask, well, what does the foundation do? How do they help? How can they help me? If you look at these uh, stories, and un- you'll understand exactly how the Epilepsy Foundation is helping individuals and families across the country. And our story, you know, Philip had an aide in the classroom after having brain surgery that removed 12 centimeters of the right side of his brain because of these um, just insidious, you know, uh, recurring seizures that no matter what happened, no matter what medication he was on, seizures persisted. um, And we ended up having brain surgery. And uh, during his recovery, he had to have an aide in the classroom um, all the way through eighth grade. And one day I went in to visit his class and I saw the this uh, aide sitting next to Philip, and I was just sitting kind of quietly off to the side. And this one little boy came up to me and he said, do you see that boy over there across the room? And I said, yes, I see that boy across the room. He said, well, he's, he's so bad, he has to bring his grandmother to school every day with him. And, and it really struck me that these little kids didn't understand why Philip had an aide in the classroom and why he needed help in the classroom. So we educated um, the kids and we educated um, Philip's uh, classmates about 
epilepsy, and we had Philip talk about um, his situation. He's not afraid to talk about it, and even to this day, he's not afraid to talk about it. It's actually been very helpful for him. And after eighth grade, Philip was recovering uh, from uh, the cognitive deficits that he had been enduring uh, due, due to the recurring seizures, and he was able to move forward without an aid in the classroom, and he graduated high school. He went to college. He graduated with a degree in computer engineering uh, from uh, the Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville, Illinois, and now he's working uh, independently, living independently, and we feel very, very fortunate because we know that not everybody has the same outcome when it comes to uh, epilepsy. Sometimes epilepsy persists no matter what you do, and it can really impact your life, and that's when you need to know that there's a place you can go to get the support that you need to make it through uh, day by day, and that's the Epilepsy Foundation. And we're privileged now, Jill and I are privileged to be serving uh, in, this, in this way, and, and we're just so thankful to you, Joyce, as a member of our National Board of Directors, as a leader of the American Association of Persons with Disabilities. Um, I just think that what you're doing, what Tony Coelho is doing, what Warren Lambert is doing, is really changing the world, and, and Joe and I are just privileged to be part of it. Well, it is my privilege. It is such a passion to me, so I know how you feel, Phil. Hey, listen, Phil, if you had to tell me what you believe is your greatest accomplishment, which mm-hmm. there are so many, I don't even know how you're going to answer this, but what would you say it is? Well, I, I think... Um, all kidding aside, I, I was going to say that my wife has stayed with me for 27 years is really my greatest accomplishment. That but, is. But I will say, I will say that, <laughs> you know, really bringing people together, Joyce, I think is a great privilege, and I consider it a great accomplishment to be able to bring people together uh, for a common common purpose and a common cause. And I feel like that has been my greatest accomplishment, and I, I understand very, very well that my work is not done because we have a lot of people to bring together and to sh- in, into a shared vision, uh, but that's a continuing work, but I'm proud of that, and, and I think that's my greatest accomplishment is, is bringing people together to uh, achieve a common goal. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. It really is. Well, and you're doing it, Phil. I'm very proud of you. I, I just can't tell you how fortunate we are to have Phil Gatone running the Epilepsy Foundation. He is the real deal, and he is just so bright and so passionate, and I just know he's going to take us so far. So, Phil, as a woman living with epilepsy, thank you for everything you're doing to help all of us. Thank you, Joyce. It's, it's such an honor and privilege to work alongside with you. Uh, you, you are the leader among leaders, and I, I'm honored to work with you. Well, Phil, thank you. But I wanted to just ask you one last question. If you had a message to leave with our listeners today, what would it be? Well, Anybody who's listening to this show should know, if you have epilepsy or any disability, you need to know, my message to you would be that you've got a friend. You are not alone. When you feel lonely, you should know something, that you have friends who care. And I'm one of those friends. Joyce is one of those friends. And we are, we are here for you. So my message to you is that when you need help, 
you need to know that you have a friend. And at the Epilepsy Foundation, at the, at the AAPD, um, at the, the different organizations that are out there serving people with disabilities, you have a friend. And never forget that. And, and uh, I hope that someday that, you know, we can all say that we are one community helping each other and uh, just want to make sure that everybody knows who's listening. You're not alone and you have a friend. Oh, how true that is. Well, listen, we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. And before I do that, I just want to say next week, hey, next week, Pat Shu, head of OFCCP, talking about Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act. Don't miss that show. But our quote for the end of the show is when Tony Quello said, Epilepsy does not define me and does not stop me. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week with Pat Chu. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader in Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 